I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 37. Great shall be their reward, and eternal shall be their glory. Studying Doctrine and Covenants, section 76. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come follow me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Alrighty, I've got a baby sleeping behind me, so we'll see how long he stays asleep. Let's talk about Christ's purpose. Um, there's a variety of scriptures in uh, section 76 that talk about this. I'm just going to kind of go, they're not really in order, but I'm just going to go in kind of the order that I found them. So, Jesus came into the world to be crucified for the world, bear the sins of the world, sanctify and cleanse the world from their sins. We find that in verse 41. He came to give us commandments. We see this in verses 51, 28, 15. Um, He came to make just men perfect. Obviously, just women as well. Um, That is in verse 69. He came to judge us. Um, he will be a judge for us, right? That is in 68. And to subdue all enemies is what in 106. And then to not condemn us, but to save us. And we see this in John 3, 16 and 17. Um, ultimately, Christ and God have one purpose. And this is in Moses 1, 39. And I'm just going to read it. It is, for behold, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And when I read that, I thought, oh my gosh, this is like the biggest group project ever, (laughs) right? Because the work and the glory of God and of Christ is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. But can they do it on their own? No. We have to be willing participants. Otherwise, it won't work. Biggest group project ever. And I don't know about you, but I always hated group projects. Um, And it got me thinking, I think sometimes we misunderstand the plan, kind of in the same way we misunderstand teachers as kids. Um, I knew kids uh, when I was in school Mm -hmm. that thought teachers were just out to get them. They thought... All teachers wanted to do was fail them. That was their goal in life. And it never occurred to some of these students that the teachers were actually trying to, as the name suggests, teach us. Um, And that the failure was coming from my peers' failure to work. Their refusal to do the necessary work to learn the lessons that they needed to in order to pass the test or turn the work in or do whatever it was that the class required. And I feel like Heavenly Father is really the same where he doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to succeed. He, it's it's exactly the opposite of him wanting us to fail. Um, in Am I Good Enough? Will I Make It? by J. Devin Cornish from the October 2016 General Conference. He says... The God of heaven is not a heartless referee looking for any excuse to throw us out of the game. He is our perfectly loving father who yearns more than anything else to have all of his children come back home and live with him as families forever. And I mean, really, what parent doesn't want that? What doesn't want what parent doesn't want your kid? Like, I know for me, as I have four kids, 
and I want all of them to grow up to be well-adjusted human beings, and I want my girls to find husbands and get married in the temple and have babies, and I want my sons and, you know, go on missions if they want to, and um, I want my sons to go on missions and to um, find nice young ladies and get married in the temple and have babies and have eternal families because I'm getting to experience that. And I know what a blessing that is to follow in the gospel and follow the things that we have been asked to do and follow the things that Heavenly Father has commanded us to do. Um, and then ultimately my husband and I were talking about this the other day. He's like, I would love to have somewhere that was big enough that all of our kids could come home for Christmas and bring their spouses and bring their children and gather around us and just be one big, huge, happy family. One of my favorite things about living where we live is um, that my husband's mom is here and his brothers are here and we get together for Christmas and we get together for Mother's Day and for Father's Day and for birthdays and I didn't have that growing up. I was a military kid and I loved my childhood. Don't get me wrong. Like I like, I loved my childhood. I got to do so many awesome things. Um, but one of the things I really missed out on was family events. I never went to any of my cousin's weddings. I went to one aunt's wedding because I was in it. I was a bride or actually maybe two aunts, but she's gotten married a couple of times. So I don't know. I don't remember if that actually happened or if I just thought about it. <laughs> I was pretty young. But um, there are so many family events, baptisms and birthdays and things that I didn't get to celebrate with my cousins. We had one year where we lived in Utah while my dad was in Korea. And in that year was really special for me because even though I was struggling to make friends and stuff at school, it was really cool because I got to have family dinners on Sundays at my grandparents' house. That was not something that was normal for me growing up. Um, I got to do sleepovers with my cousins and it did, it, there wasn't this like hurried need to spend as much time with them as I possibly could because we were there for a year. And so I got to spend a lot of time with them and it was just relaxed, easy fun, as opposed to like feeling like, like we had to cram in every single thing because we didn't know the next time we were going to see them. And so I feel like ultimately that's all of our desire I mean, for again, as speaking for myself as a parent, ultimately, I want my family to be an eternal family. I want my kids to want to come home and to want to spend time together as a family. Um, and so I think that it's a very divine desire, you know, because that is that's Heavenly Father's whole purpose is that he wants us all to be able to come home as family. Um, and I think it's also important to note that God is your father and he loves you. And that statement is true for every single human being who has ever walked on this planet, walks on this planet right now, or will ever walk on this planet. And even the ones that were here for four seconds and didn't literally walk on the planet, Heavenly Father is your father and he loves you. And the Come Follow Me had a really interesting question um, that I want to read. It said, How might the world be different if everyone understood that we are all children of God? How does this truth affect the way that we treat each other? And I've really been thinking about this since I wrote this one down, since I read this lesson. Um, and 
I feel like when I'm really in tune with that, when I'm really in check with the fact that we are all divine beings, we are all children of our Heavenly Father, we are all so important to Him and so incredibly loved, it helps me be a lot less judgmental and a lot more forgiving, a lot less critical, and a lot more merciful. Um, my mom was here this past um, week. Well, she's here for a couple of days and we were talking about different things. My grandma's really struggling. She's getting older and she's getting kind of crotchety and bitter and cranky. And I, you know, I find reasons and I find, I mean, you can call them excuses if you want. And ultimately I'm like, she's old and she's mad that grandpa died, you know, seven years ago and that she's still here. And that she's in pain all the time. And yeah, she's mad. And, you know, that, I mean, what are you going to do? I look at my grandma a lot of the, a lot, very similarly to the way I look at my children with like, yeah, she's crabby because she's tired and her foot hurts and she hasn't had a nap and she's, she hasn't had, you know, a solid meal. So she's a little crabby right now. And I don't take what my kids say to me personally because I understand that what they're suffering and what they're saying has more to do with what's going on on the inside of them than anything it has to do with me. Um, anyway, so that's just kind of what I was thinking about is how understanding that we are all our father's children, for me at least, helps really me be a better version of myself. Um, I want to read Doctrine and Covenant section 76 verses 25 through 29, um, really quick. It says, and this we saw also and bear record that an angel of God who was in authority, the presence of God, who was rebelled against, who rebelled against the only begotten son whom the father loved and who was in the bosom of the father was thrust down from the presence of God and the sky something. I don't know. I wrote something here. It's in my notes and it's all messy because my kids are great. And was called perdition for the heavens wept over him. He was Lucifer, a son of mourning. And when he, and we beheld, and lo, he is fallen, is fallen, even a son of the morning. And while we were yet in the spirit, the Lord commanded us that we should write the vision. For we beheld Satan, that old serpent, even the devil, who rebelled against God and sought to take the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Wherefore, he maketh war with the saints of God and encompassed them round about. And there's a couple of spots in here that I really, I really like this. Um, and I'm going to read these. I love this. He was called um, was called perdition for the heavens wept over him. And I think sometimes um, I've heard more recently, you know, about somebody talking about the story of Satan and talking about how he got gypped because, you know, he just had a different idea and he shouldn't have gotten kicked out and blah, blah, blah. blah. Anyway, it was just interesting to me. That was like Satan's trying to spin this narrative that's completely different about what actually happened. And it wasn't that Heavenly Father was, you know, it's like we said before, he's not this mean referee that's just looking for a reason to kick people out. He, he wept. The heavens wept to lose him. He was precious to him. He still is precious to him. And I'm sure it breaks Heavenly Father's heart that he can't 
you can't do anything about it because he's rebelled. He's openly rebelled, right? He has fallen. Um, he rebelled against God and sought to take the kingdom of our God and his Christ. And then this is my the last part. He maketh war with the saints of God and encompassed them round about. He encompassed them. He's surrounding us, trying to take us down. Okay. And I was thinking about this and I was like, why, why are we talking? Why is Satan worth mentioning? And I think it's important because we all have the capacity to rebel against God. We all, I'm sure most of us have in whether it was in ways that are considerably smaller than, you know, leading a third of the hosts away and creating an entire rebellion. Um, ours tend to be smaller things, but we do still rebel. And I think it's important to maintain that compassion um, that we can recognize the rebellion in others. We can recognize the rebellion in ourselves. And within ourselves, we have the opportunity to change that, right? We can't change other people, um, but we can still love them and we don't have to judge them for it. We don't know what's going on in their hearts and in their minds. And um, we can still be like, you know, I can see you're having a hard time and you're, you know, doing X, Y, Z. Um, and I'm here for you and I love you, but you don't necessarily have to be a part of that if that's not something that you want to be a part of. Um, so in value beyond measure by Joy D Jones, this is from the October, 2017 general conference. She says, if we sin, we are less worthy, but we are never worth less. And I think it's important to note that Satan would have us believe that we are worthless. Elder, um, Cornish says, Please, my beloved brothers and sisters, we must so stop comparing ourselves to others. We torture ourselves needlessly by comparing, um, by competing and comparing. We falsely judge our self-worth by the things we do or don't have and by the opinions of others. If we must compare, let us compare how we were in the past to how we are today and even to how we want to be in the future. The only opinion of us that matters is what our Heavenly Father thinks of us. Please sincerely ask him what he thinks of you. He will love and correct, but never discourage us. That is Satan's trick. So if you feel discouraged, remember, that's not Heavenly Father talking to you. That's not the Spirit talking to you. That is Satan talking to you. And you need to be like, hush up, son. We're not talking. We're not doing that right now. So we start saying, hush up. <laughs> okay. Um, he continues, so Elder Cornish continues saying, sin always has consequences. Sin always harms and hurts both the sinner and those affected by his or her sins. And true repentance is never easy. Moreover, please understand that even though God takes away the guilt and the stain of our sins when we have sincerely repented, he may not immediately take away all of the consequences of our sins of our sins. Sometimes they remain with us for the rest of our lives. And the worst kind of sin is premeditated sin, where one sends, says, I can sin now and repent later. I believe that this is a solemn mockery of the sacrifice and sufferings of Jesus Christ. He continues, because I, I love this part, 
But I repeat, because of the Savior's atonement, we can repent and be fully forgiven as soon as our repentance is sincere. What we cannot do is rationalize rather than repent. It will not work to justify ourselves in our sins by saying, God knows it is just too hard for me, so he accepts, accepts me just the way I am. Really trying means we keep at it. We fully come up as we fully come up to the Lord's standard, which is clearly defined in the questions we are asked in the order to get a temple recommend. And so I think that it's important to note that Heavenly Father wants us to repent. He wants us to make all the efforts that we need to, to get home, to live with him. Um, but it's, it's a two person effort, right? He can't, he can do everything he can. He gave us a savior who gave us the atonement, who's given us all the tools that we need to be able to make it home. Um, but we still have to pick up the tools and we still have to use them. Okay. So ultimately we know God's purpose and Christ's purpose is to get us home but they can only help us if we try, right? Like we just said. Elder Cornish says, None of us will ever be good enough, save through the merits and mercy of Jesus Christ. But because God respects our agency, we also cannot be saved without our trying. That is how we balance between grace and works. That is how the balance between grace and works works, right? So how we make the balance work between grace and works. Does that make sense? I had to reread it a couple of times before I got it. Okay, so let's talk about the plan of salvation for a second. Um, Sister Jones says, sorry, I'm turning my pages here. Sister Jones says, Spencer, Pres President Spencer W. Kimball explained in these glorious words, God is your father. He loves you. He and your mother in heaven value you beyond any measure. You are unique, one of a kind, made of the eternal intelligence which gives you claim upon eternal life. Let there be no question in your mind about what you're what about your value as an individual? The whole intent of the gospel plan is to provide an opportunity for each of you to reach your fullest potential, which is eternal progression and the possibility of godhood. Godhood, right? How cool is that? Um, Doctrine and Covenants 132 verses 20 through 21 talks more about this um, as well one of the verses in there says, except ye abide by my law, ye cannot obtain this glory. And I kind of think about it like Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility and Godhood, that's a lot of power. And so part of our life here is to test whether or not we're going to be able to be responsible with that kind of power, right? Um, so those of us that do it, well, check out Doctrine and Covenants section 76 verses 92 through 96 for the full list. But 95 pretty much sums it up. It says, and he makes them equal in power and in might and in dominion, right? Equal. How cool is that? Um, one of the things I want, I highly recommend reading through all of these. Definitely check out, um, verses 97 through 98 and 109. Um, these talk about the terrestrial and telestial kingdoms. And there, there were some things here that I was just like, wait a minute, what? 
Like I never, I never thought about them in this way, um, about how the glories will be, the inhabitants of the telestial world will be as innumerable as the stars or, and in the firmament of the heaven or as upon the sand upon the seashore. And I just think it's really cool that it's not black and white. It's not heaven or hell, right? It's not like either you are righteous and you get to live forever, um, with angels and fairies, or you were bad and you made bad choices and now you will burn and you will rot. Like, I highly recommend checking out those chapters and those verses or the section and the verses I just mentioned. Um, there's some really, really cool stuff there. So let's talk about application super fast because I'm already over time. But basically I think ultimately when we remember that heavenly father's purpose is the eternal life and immortality of us, right? His whole goal is to get us to come home then it's a lot easier to go to him and be like, Hey, listen, this is the thing I'm struggling with. This is, this is what's going to keep me from getting home. Can you help me? And he will, as long as you go to him sincerely. So I cannot recommend prayer and like honest, open, full communication with our heavenly father. If there was ever a person in this world, you could talk to without any filter or any barrier whatsoever, and just lay your heart fully out for everybody to see he is the one you can 100% trust it to. Um, and I will talk to you next week.